This is Dance on Air, the podcast, and I'm your host, Jordan McHenry, and I'm here with Jacob Jonas from the Jacob Jonas Company. Hi, Jacob. Hello. How's it going? Amazing. Uh, Thanks for having me on your podcast. Today, Jacob's in L.A. Yeah, just returned back from Europe here in L.A. now. Jacob is the founder and director of the Jacob Jonas Company, which is a company started in 2014 out of Los Angeles. So yeah, I started uh, my company, Jacob Jonas the Company, about six years ago now. Um, I was 21 and my partner Jill was 19, so we started fairly young. And it was started because we had won a few opportunities that, of like independent choreography uh, competitions that we submitted for that gave us the opportunity to do a full-length show. And that was kind of the infrastructure to, to start a company. So it was pretty young for us. It was something I always wanted to do, but because these opportunities kind of all aligned at the same time, uh, it was the great starting point for us. Yeah, in the last five, six years, um, we've created over 15 works and been touring around the U.S. and built a really strong infrastructure administratively. And it's kind of been a creative hub for me uh, as an artist to really explore what my movement vocabulary is and what we're trying to say within our work. And in addition to the work that we're creating for the stage, it's been a really big mission of mine to try to create a sense of community and value for dance as a medium, too. Um, so we've initiated a lot of projects separately from just making work um, to try to uh, create opportunities for other artists through the medium of dance, but also through photography and other disciplines to to celebrate the art form too. So I think that's a really interesting and new model for engaging with dance companies or building a dance company, I should say, is to really explicitly work on the editorial aspects of what you do and content as a larger field than just a reduction of the work you're already creating. We're here to mainly talk about your piece in Seen Unseen, which is issue three of DIY Dancer Mag, which is a really cool magazine, but we'll get to that in a second. But Jacob Jonas, the company, works on one huge project that's gotten a lot of attention, which is Cameras and Dancers. It's essentially called Hashtag Cameras and Dancers, and it was an initiative started similarly around the time, maybe a year after I started my company. And for me growing up as a dancer, I always had like this visual um, interest in like vis- visual literacy and visual art separate from just choreography and movement. And so I was always initiating collaborations with other photographers, mainly as the subject at first. And I'd built a pretty strong community of photographers before even starting my company. And that was also around the same time Instagram was gaining a lot of popularity as a platform. And so there was Instagram as a as a brand, as a company, started initiating what's called a worldwide Instamy. And they would basically host them in big cities around the world in Dubai, Shanghai, Berlin, New York. And they had in the earlier stages of their business, they hired community specialists to initiate these Insta meets. And their goal was to basically put a face to the user that you were following. So if you were following a photographer that was posting beautiful street photography or landscapes, nature, whatever, then you can meet them in person. And it kind of humanized to the experience of being on Instagram much more. And then a lot of my friends from the New York Instagram community 
started initiating these insta meets just in new york separate from instagram where everyone would kind of get together and i was watching this from la i was also in new york a couple of the times they were doing it and felt a real sense of family through this platform that could kind of feel so isolating one of my really good friends dave krugman is a really talented photographer and social influencer and he partnered with the metropolitan museum and started an initiative called hashtag empty met where he would basically go into the museum before and after it was open and take photographs and basically build a portfolio of images that gave the online viewer a sense of what the museum might look like if they weren't able to be there. So if they weren't in New York or if they were in New York but couldn't afford to be at the museum. And this initiative was one of the really big kind of marketing strategies that changed the landscape for digital marketing for museums specifically, and a lot of arts organizations were trying to figure out how do you do that. I started Cameras and Dancers, just someone that was really young and naive and wanting to create that same sense of community as an Instameet. And so it was an Instameet, but it was just geared specifically towards the mediums of dance and photography. And so I did the first one and had about you know, eight people show up and nobody really showed up, but I only had like 2,000 followers on Instagram at the time. By the second one, we did it in New York and Dave Krugman ended up co-hosting it with us. And so he posted it on his Instagram and I posted it on mine and we had about 12 people show up. Um, <laughs> and then by the sixth or seventh one, the Getty Museum in Los Angeles reached out to me and said, hey, I see what you're doing. Why don't you come do it at the Getty Museum? But instead of making it open to the public we can only have 10 people so invite your favorite 10 or five dancers and favorite five photographers and so then it became more curated which was much more helpful because in the beginning if we had a really talented dancer and like a not so talented photographer there'd be this exchange and the dancer would want images and we didn't really have any good ones so it became a private event uh, from that point moving forward. And now to date, we just finished our 59th event. The way it kind of works is that we always partner with a dance company, a venue. So they provide their campus of beautiful architecture backdrops for the photos. And then we partner with one local photographer that is engaged with the community that we're in, and they'll invite the other photographers as well. Of those 59, tell us some of your favorite spots you've been at so the audience kind of gets a taste of like where you're at. Totally. So the dance companies we've done this with have kind of are all over the map. We just did it with the Royal Danish Ballet, Stotts Ballet in Berlin, uh, Stuttgart Ballet, Zurich Ballet. Um, we've done it with New York City Ballet, Paul Taylor, Palabolis, Lines. The list goes on. It's a pretty big uh, list, one that I'm very proud of. And I think for me, it's really the intersection between the spaces that we're in and the cities that we're in, trying to find venues that really showcase the cities that we're in. We were just in Denmark and did one with the Royal Danish Ballet, and there was this architectural firm called Effect Architects, and they just built this building or this kind of structure called the Forest, and it's on the camp, uh, the campus of Camp Adventure, and it was just named one of like the top 100 spaces in the world by Time Magazine. And so I saw this about a year ago, and I was like, I have to do one here, and reached out to some local photographers and to the Royal Danish Ballet in Denmark, and they were all excited by it. But we just did six cities in in Europe in three weeks. I normally do one one per month, so this was a pretty ambitious trip. But yeah, I think the, the goal is just to expose a younger audience to all these different dance companies that I really admire and 
and I think specifically in dance, we can kind of lose sight of how much beautiful dance and beautiful work is going on around the world. So this is just a cool way to showcase some of the artists that I look up to and respect. And I think one of the greatest feats of cameras and dancers is your ability to just mobilize so many big institutions, getting so many big companies like this to come together with you and with a photographer and with a space or an architecture firm or whoever you're collaborating with. What's on display is collaboration itself in so many ways. And I think what's also really nice, too, is like, you know, when you go and you see a dance show, the, you're, you're the audience member sitting in the seat. And what's so nice for this is the audience is essentially the, the people that are in the room or the people that are on Instagram that are viewing the photos for the first time. And they're exposed to the process of making the photos. It's become a really beautiful project. And for me, I produce it all fully by myself. So it takes me like three to four months for each one to really you know, be communicated well to all the marketing teams involved. And um, it's also become like a really nice education for me about architecture because it was really just about dance and photography in the beginning. But once we started working with the Getty and Richard Myers team and, you know, we just did one with Zaha Hadid in Antwerp. And, you know, I've learned so much about the medium of architecture. And I think it's nice because then there's a lot of architects that are looking at dance and there's a lot of photographers that are looking at dance. And, you know, the goal at the end of the day was just to make the art form more visible, specifically on Instagram. And I'm happy to say that we're doing that. You're making dance accessible through so many entry points like we're not just talking about dance anymore we're, and we're not just talking about architecture and photography we're talking about how when those mediums intersect you land on so many other subjects like philosophy and anthropology and just how expansive it, be, it gets when you start to just consider all of the factors you and I are both contributors on the upcoming issue of DIY Dancer Mag issue 3 Seen Unseen what you contributed to the magazine is a specific photo essay about the L.A. dance scene, am I correct? Yeah. Tell us about this project for DIY Dancer. Absolutely. So I became aware of DIY Dancer magazine, the last issue they did, um, where uh, they published this very beautiful spread on Galeem Dance, and we were lucky to partner with Galeem about a year, year and a half ago, um, we did a Cameras and Dancers with them at the Metropolitan Museum, and that was a pretty big one for us. And uh, Candice and the team at DIY caught, hold, caught wind of it and wanted to use some of the images from the meet for their second issue, and that's when I learned about the magazine. And uh, we just stayed in, in touch, and Candice proposed that we do a project together for the third issue, and I think the original concepts were to make a story about my company and some of the community projects that I was doing, specifically cameras and dancers. But as I had looked into the first couple of issues, I noticed that there was a big, there was a big attention around different choreographers around the world and in New York and around the U.S. And there hadn't been a lot of attention yet on what was happening in Los Angeles. And it's someone from Los Angeles. I believe I'm a pretty big activist for the art form in L.A., not just a kind of contributing creative. And so I proposed this idea, what if instead it's just a story of like our company or like the work I'm doing? What if I put together a lot of artists in L.A. that I think are making a really big impact? And I photograph all of them, which was <laughs> much more ambitious <laughs> to do than to think of. And, uh, and then, you know, I feel like sometimes in dance there can be this feeling of competition rather than support within the medium. And so I really wanted to try to figure out how do we take that away. And I thought if everyone wrote about each other, 
then you'll be forced to appreciate each other rather than to think negatively about one another. And so after we've finalized about 15 or 16 artists, I then went on this like manhunt to, <laughs> to photograph all of them and then also pair everybody up. So A would write about B, B would write about C, C would write about D, and that took about <laughs> like a three or four weeks of just trying to figure out how it all worked. Logistics. Um, yeah, the logistics of it all, but I'm actually really, really proud that, you know, the artists of the Los Angeles community that I selected, I think too often in the dance conversation, we talk about concert dance. And for me, I was very exposed to commercial dance and street dance and the circus world from a very early age. And so in curating the selection of artists that I did, I wanted it to feel a sense of like people that have, you know, paid their dues and then also emerging artists, but also dancers from different backgrounds. So it wasn't just people in the concert dance world. So yeah, we have about 15 artists and uh, I'm very happy that Jacques Heim is on the cover. Um, yeah. Jacques Heim is the artistic director of Diablo and has been such a mentor to me and such a kind of, he's paved the way for so many artists in LA. So it meant a lot for me to, to have him on the cover. I've only seen a couple of images of the spreads, but they look so dope. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You make this distinction about advocating for the, all the different dance forms that go beyond concert dance, and yet you've gotten a lot of attention and traction from like these formal dance institutions, being top twenty-five for Dance Magazine, or you know, photographing the Dutch National. You're working with these super formal concert dance organizations, and yet you come from yeah. a very as you describe it, circus commercial space. And so how do you kind of reconcile all these different identities? How, what, what is this for you? I think my biggest weakness in starting in this medium has become my biggest strength. You know, not having formal training, not working with like a traditional big dance company, not moving or thinking the same way as others in the beginning of starting an organization was really a big weakness. I felt a lot of judgment from the community that I, you know, I didn't dance with a big company and I was starting my own. And and now I think that it's become my strength because I'm thinking non-traditionally. And, um, and I'm also thinking so much bigger than just dance. I think oftentimes dance, the dance field just thinks about dance. And for me, I look at institutions, you know, and companies in design and advertising and architecture and, um, philosophy and you know just people that are thinking you know they're they're thought leaders they're scholars they're academics and the, the conversations around leadership are what's inspired me a lot to think differently um, and I think you know what we're doing visually online and my interest in photography and my interest in kind of bringing different worlds together is is new and it wasn't really happening in the capacity that I'm making it happen and in specific to these non-traditional collaborations with this sense of like a grassroots marketing feeling to it like there's no brands behind cameras and dancers there's no one like financially supporting it like i do it all voluntarily and so there's that and then i also think in regards to our movement vocabulary and what i'm trying to say with my work i feel like Lloyd Newson kind of said it best. He's a director in London. He has a company called Deviate. It's been around for like 30 plus years. And Historical he's probably one company. of company. Yeah. Yeah. One of my biggest inspirations. 
And I, I heard an interview of him like a 15, 20 years ago. He's like, when I first started my company, I was working with some others and nobody was really saying anything with dance. And so that's why I started my company because I really wanted to say something. And I wouldn't go as far as saying that nobody's saying anything in dance because there's a lot of really talented artists, not just making things narratively, but also abstract that, that are structurally and compositionally really beautiful. But I think the work that I'm thinking about and, and making I think is different just because because I grew up as a street performer and because I have different methodologies and vocabularies that I'm using to make dance and I'm also casting artists that aren't the same they don't move the same you know I have artists in my company that are contemporary ballet artists but I also have dancers that are trickers and parkour artists and acrobats and break dancers and so I think the intersection of all these things is what's attracting the dance world at large to to kind of work together so i think there's a lot of different energies that are a product of people's interest in the work that we're doing but i also think my genuine genuine intention is to promote other communities and 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 organizations not like tear them down at all dude i'm super inspired when i listen to you talk about these (laughs) things like you sound inspired and it's really refreshing Thank you. Do you have anybody who's inspiring you right now? Yeah, for sure. Do you mean specifically in dance or just in general? It, any, it, it could be in dance, but it could be any art, art form. Yeah. I mean, there's a few names that immediately come to my mind. You know, there's this show on Netflix called Abstract, and there was an episode about an architect named Bjark Engels, who's a Copenhagen-based architect in the way he's kind of building his infrastructure and thinking about architecture and thinking about the work that he's doing is really interesting. And I think the conversation right now, specifically in the arts and creativity and like moving forward is how to bridge the gap between like, you know, social messaging and like thinking about climate change, thinking about the bigger issues and how do arts intersect with your, like you can't just make a piece anymore because it's a beautiful piece. Like there has to be some kind of message that's going to push, you know, critical thinking. And, um, you know, I love artists like, you know, Kanye West and Sean Penn and Jim Carrey. And I, I tend to resonate most with kind of artists that are so often misunderstood in, in society, but their work is so purposeful, but I just love that they're so misunderstood and just like, they're just willing to put everything out. So there is so much judgment but like in the most beautiful way and then in dance i mean there's a lot of makers and people that are really pushing the boundary and uh it's hard to think of a few right now that come specifically to my mind i mean i love what cd larby is doing right now not just in terms of the work that he's doing but i think he's kind of looking at his company like a production company rather than just a dance company and i think that's really smart and interesting and uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of really interesting companies right now and artists that are making really great work. So I'm, yeah, I'm excited to see this new wave of, of dance and art uh, that's happening right now. Jacob, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And everybody, if you get a chance to check out Seen Unseen, which is DIY Dancer Mag's third issue, check it out. It's coming out to print this December. Yes. Jacob, thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you, and uh, thanks for all the work that you're doing uh, for the community as well. It doesn't matter how many listeners there are, it's a really important kind of 
I think we all volunteer our time to figure out platforms for artists to be heard and to, to share and make make value of, of things. So it's really important what you're doing. So so thanks for having me.